And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to The Approach. I am your host, Jeremy Seaholm. And I'm Danny Finn. What WrestleMania are we on? 14. We're back in Boston. We're back in Boston, baby. Woo! My voice, my voice, a little. So we start yelling, "Stone Cold, Stone Cold." It's <laughs> gonna be weird when we go past whatever WrestleMania they're at now, and that we have no frame of reference unless we predict like future champions and whatever else. Uh, yeah. So do we start predicting like David Benoit against like Brian Pillman? Jr.? Are we allowed to say his name? What's up, Chris? Oh, okay. We can say David. Okay. Is he, I didn't even know he was a wrestler. I just found out one of the Stein Steiner brothers, this kid, but we can't say his name or something like that. It, it's so it is so weird. So I, I watched that episode. Yeah. And, and the dude looks he's a monster. Yeah. But his name is like Braun Breaker. It's like something really terrible. They, they don't want to reference the Steiners. So instead, it's like, but they'll make reference to the dog face gremlin. So and, I, I don't know. And I don't mean to make this a wrestling podcast, but of course, my favorite WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 9, uh, uh, Steiner Brothers wrestled against the Head Shrinkers. And I never really thought of uh, Rick Steiner as being jacked. And then, of course, WCW, Big Papa Pump, the dude was ripped. And I was like, he was never that big in WWF, which is what it was called back then for you young people. And then I went back and watched my favorite WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 9. And when I watched, I went, oh, he was pretty big back then, too. He was always. You mean Scott Steiner? Yeah, sorry, Scott Steiner. I had a whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. All right, whatever. Let's talk bowling. Since this is a bowling podcast, all things bowling. Um, we have Nate Lee's coming in. Yep. So we did break fourth wall a little bit. We actually, you mentioned it in the podcast that you broke fourth wall. Um, this was recorded before the Alfie tournament. So a lot of what you know, we talked about trying to get people to bowl. Um, but it was a great podcast. We talked a lot about mixed worlds um, and how he got together with Alfie for Candlepins for Cancer. How he took it over. You know, another another guy who uh, he said, you know, not a New Hampshire guy. He's a Revia guy. Revia. North, North, Shore. North Shore. But uh, he, he is in uh, New Hampshire now. So uh, making the drive down. So we appreciate that. So hopefully you enjoy this one and we'll be back with the outro. Awesome. With spare thoughts. Well, thanks for making the trek down, Nate. Oh, thanks. It was a very short ride. It's not bad. The timing is probably better, too. Missing rush hour and everything else. Yeah. Where, really. where are you coming from? Uh, Kingston, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. So getting a lot of New Hampshire people. I don't think... Well, I'm not from New Hampshire, but I moved up there. From Def- Revere. Def- Revere defected? Yep. <laughs> so property tax, trying to avoid... He's from uh, Revere. 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 I'm not good at the accent. I'm not good at the accent. That's why I always mess up oh, King of the River. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Sorry, Mark. So, yeah, I'll get it one of these days. So I wanted to talk a little bit. Um, you were a big part of getting the worlds and the mixed worlds on after COVID and everything. How did you get involved in all that stuff? Um, I really took it from what we did with the men's worlds last year with COVID. Um, but candle bits with cancer and wanted to do something with mixed worlds when they cancel mixed worlds and I felt I felt like it was canceled a little premature um, that's a whole other story um, so I talked to Deb D who had been running it for a while and just decided to take it over she didn't want to do it as much anymore mm-hmm. um, so she asked if I would do it she'd been doing mixed worlds for a long time right? yeah I was, I was about to say that yeah <laughs> yeah and I remember the first time I went up there just to watch watching her have to run around get all the stats and everything it's a lot of work it, it's a lot more work than I realized yeah <laughs> now is that something you plan on continuing yeah well? um, I'm gonna be taking it over going forward um, obviously still with her help um, Amy Dube's gonna be helping Mike Machichi's gonna be helping out um, anybody else who wants to help when we had Mike on the podcast uh, and we talked about that that 
Cheech is featured in almost everything nowadays. Like I feel like there's no tournament or no league that somehow <laughs> Cheech isn't involved in. Yeah, we asked no, him. He's, uh, he's involved in everything. So, um, now, did you do the Worlds as well, running that? No, that's all day, Baba. Okay. Uh, I know, because I've had a few people reaching out to me asking questions about this year, and I'm like, go talk to him. Well, I had that too, because I know when I was pulling up at Woburn, and somebody yep. said, you know, you got you have to go talk to Nate. We want to put a team in. Yeah. And, no, yeah, just mixed worlds right now. So. That's, all, that's all Baba. All right, so you're only half as important as I thought you yeah. were, my mistake. <laughs> do, do you want to get him down here instead? We'll get him next time. I would think, like, running mixed worlds would be a lot more hectic anyway, because they're only one-string matches. Yeah. You know, instead of... Right. You know, you, you have an hour in between instead of three hours. We have more time to get stuff done. But well, and that was the big benefit of having an academy this year is, you know, Teddy's able to just set it up as a league so he can right. do everything. So um, I didn't have to do as much, but yeah. it was still, like, you know, just running everything, manage everything, handling the money part of it. Like, it's it's a lot. Now, did, can- raffles. did Candlepins for Cancer get involved with Worlds as well? Um, I don't know if they're getting involved this year. I mean, they were obviously in the past last year. Okay. Um, so when yeah, when you wanted to start Mixed Worlds and get it back online after yep. uh, COVID and everything, did Alfie reach out to you? Did you reach out to uh, him? No, I reached out to him mm-hmm. just because, like you know, he's been a, a big staple in the community for a of while. Of course. And um, and I knew what he had did in November, so I figured let's try to do something similar. So how does that work as far as um, the money and what goes where? How do you break that all up for what goes to the fund and what goes towards the tournament and everything else? Um, Well, he he kicked in $1,000, which is huge, Um, but it all just goes into the tournament. Teddy gave us a a really good deal on on the prices for bowling. The money from the 50-50 raffles, half went to the winner of the 50-50, and and 25% went to Alfie, and then 25% went to the the prize pool. I was always curious how that kind of all coincided. I know Alfie, too, was talking about getting more like sponsors and things like that through Canada. He's he's working on a tournament right now. Um, Yes, the roll-offs, right? Yeah. The roll-offs, September 19th. Now, by the time this airs, this might have already happened. Exactly, yeah. We've Um, been really pushing people to go bowl on that one yeah, as well. Yeah, And, like, I've been talking to him because, like, he, at this moment, might have to pull it um, just because there's not enough entries. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out how to boost it up and make it better. One of the things Jeremy had brought up, too, and I don't know how you would do this unless you had qualifiers, but having... Well, I know how you would do have multiple roll-offs, but maybe even roll-offs in more areas. And that's what I had mentioned to him, too, because um, I've, I've been working a lot, so I haven't been as involved right. as much as I wanted to. And... Um, I was talking to him the other day and said the same exact thing. I'm like, you should do more roll-offs or more dates or yeah. something besides just that one set date. Right. And his comment back to, I think, Jeremy, you were the one who made the post that said, have you thought about more roll-offs? And he said, we're not even filling this one. Why would we do more? And I think what maybe he's looking back now, he's been bowling you know, from an era that is really no longer here yeah. anymore. And that was a time when you had multiple shifts. I mean, we see it in the pro series. You know, If we fill so many events or so many uh, people, we'll get a third shift or a second yeah, shift exactly. in there. And I think he's looking at the need for shifts being because we're too full. Yeah. When nowadays it's more of we need more shifts Not because time consuming. Like, people can only fit certain days on their calendar. Exactly, especially with all the tournaments there are, and like that's the first thing I do is look through look, look through my months and decide yeah. what days I need to take off for bowling. Now, do you look at uh, Lexi's candlepin uh, calendar at all? Um, not as much as I used to. Yeah, because that, that was something I've been saying like needs to be in more houses and things yeah. like that mm-hmm. because I think there is even like the handicap tournaments. I think there's a lot of house bowlers that may be interested in bowling and more 
tournaments perhaps but they just don't know what's out there outside of their own house yeah but to go back to that like maybe if you get multiple houses in there and you maybe four roll-offs four different houses and you take the top four bowlers what's the format that he's doing is he doing a ladder is he doing he, uh top six? For the, he for the tv show for the or TV for the roll-off i think he wants it to be as close to channel five as it used to so be. it most likely be the ladder match i, I think so yeah that's what i feel like it, it is too right but yeah. i think like top five make the tv show and then like six through ten, I think still get some money. Yeah, I think like that. Yeah, I mean he can elaborate. We're talking to him. Um, sorry, I, I keep breaking down this fourth wall. Or <laughs> yeah, what, these what? are all pre-recorded. So. <laughs> well, I think the fact that I'm posting online, like we're having somebody on Tuesday, somebody on Wednesday. Yeah. Today's we're doing this on a Thursday. Like I think people kind of figured yeah. out we're, that these aren't. We're all, Alfie's coming wait, in. These aren't live. These aren't live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alfie's coming in. So yeah. so he. I mean, he can elaborate more on that. Yeah, and I know he's he's been doing a lot behind the scenes, trying to get sponsors through yeah. his, his job and, and whatnot too. So like, he's doing a lot, whether it's in the foreground or not. Right. Um, he's. I love him. He's such a great guy. So uh, unless you do five roll-offs and then have the five winners have a three-string roll-off or something like that to get the seating, I don't know how you would do roll-offs in different houses yeah, for be, a ladder match. Well, it'd be tough too because like you know different houses, different right. Exactly. And you can't just go screen. purely. Well, score, that's why. And, yeah. and actually, Jason Simino sent me a, uh, a message saying like, ah, that's kind of like a tough idea. So I changed my comment and said, you know, maybe Academy just have more than one roll-off. Yeah. yeah. You know, that way it's the same house and just combine you know get all the scores together here's your top five what do you do with the guys that you know oh, i'm gonna go roll off here i bowled terrible now i'm gonna go roll off here so i don't right. think there's a problem with that i've yeah. thought that for a while i mean into the fact where and maybe i'm giving away an idea but like we talked about with new england candle pins is having you'd have to break down the seating it would be more of a blind draw so to speak but I always thought that it'd be kind of cool to have a tournament where you had four different roll-off spots. Mm -hmm. And instead of, so you take the top four, and then you have them in the bracket where it's like one, two, three, four, where it's like Millis one's gonna bowl, Academy two, the one, you know, second place from Academy, which is gonna bowl in the third place of Lakeside, and you kind of bracket it that way. Mm -hmm. And maybe you get to the point where you have all your ones, or maybe your final four is all out of one house. But that way you're not, I also don't like the idea of, traveling somewhere to bowl somebody in my own house if that yeah. makes sense because that happened to me once at lakeside um the first tournament i think i bowled with eric seeger outside of millis we drove all the way to lakeside hour and a half hour 40 minute commute for us yep. to get knocked out in the first round by michael agenda and rob linehan who we bowl on wednesdays yeah here so it would have been i don't i'm not upset with, i mean obviously we want to win but you lose you lose it happens to the best of us but to lose to somebody we could have lost at a mills and saved ourselves the hour and 40 minute commute like yeah. so i think it'd be kind of cool to have that aspect of it and, and but i don't know how you would do that in the ladder match with seating like you said like how would you have you know if, if you bowl you know a 620 at wakefield versus you know a 700 at palace or whatever like it, it, it how do you equate what's what's the better yeah, score? you'd have to kind of do what new hampshire does with their averages is you know, yeah. Do they still do are. that? Um, they did, as far as I know. I don't know if they still. Yeah. I know there's been issues with in the past, and yeah. it's tough. You'd have to get like a big sample size of that. So, so you worked with that. So, and now that's something you're going to continue doing yeah. uh, with the mixed worlds. Yeah. Um, I haven't, like I said, I have a, a new job I started a few months ago that's kind of taken up a lot of my time. So right. I haven't done as much 
looking into next year yet, but um, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna get something out there probably by the end of August, beginning of September for next year. Um, I have to reach out to all the captains from the previous year, because last year was just kind of like a throw together the year the yeah. Canadians weren't here. Um, so Hopefully I we can get them back this yeah, year. 100%, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just have to reach out to all the, the captains that were there the year before, see who still wants their captainship. There's a wait list. Um, so I would still, you give priority to the 12, I don't know how many American teams there were, but the 12 American teams that were there two years ago or three years ago? Yeah, and um, there was definitely more. There's, I think there's usually about 16 American teams. Okay, I didn't know if it was an even split. Yeah, no, not with mix. With with men's worlds, it's even 12 and 12 usually. Okay. Um, we'll have a couple of filler teams. Um, but yeah, uh, mixed worlds is because you can bowl with Canadians so there's usually like a mixture of oh, gotcha. like freshy bowls with the Canadian team got right. bowls with the Canadian team so like there's a mixture of teams that just mix it up because you're allowed to where at men's world you're not I know that there's restrictions on how the teams are set up in mixed worlds yeah. um, but I do like the fact that you don't see basically the same three guys who bowl together on worlds yeah. always bowling together on mixed worlds I think it's cool that people yeah, are bowling on different sometimes groups. it's not possible because right. your averages like you don't know how you're going to bowl exactly. there are some people who you know might might not bowl as well to bowl in this tournament, but that's I've that's never heard tournament. never heard that happening. No, no, before. it never happens ever at all. Although I, th I think at some point, and, and the Ripping the Rack podcast touched on this long months ago, um, possibly going to twenty teams, ten and ten, you know, open it up to more houses. Yeah, like for the men's worlds, I don't, I don't hate that idea. No, and then I mean it would just for just men's or mixed men's for men's. Yeah, I heard a little bit about that. Um, I mean the the only I mean it would definitely strengthen up some teams because now you'll have teams condensed down exactly um, and build up more instead of there being you know like. My team has nine or ten guys on it. <laughs> um, you might have a few more teams with nine or ten guys right, on it. Right, right, right. And we talked to uh, Tommy Olsen about that, about teams, because I was always never, curious. Never. Heard of him. never it, he, he was good once upon a time for a short period of time. Uh, okay. Most people yeah. haven't heard of him. He was all right. <laughs> so uh, I think he was only good for like 22 weeks or something like that. <laughs> so. Um, now I lost my train of thought. So we were talking about Worlds, and I was always confused when you look back at the, the winners from Worlds way back when it first started, mm -hmm. and they had five guys. And I always thought, that's yeah. insane to go up there with five guys. Yeah. And my reasoning wasn't, you know, I know people want to bowl the 36 strings, or how, how many strings are you bowling up there if you bowl them all? Is it 36? 30, uh, let's see. So 33 is like the regular, because you have yeah. 11 matches. Yeah. And then if you go all the way, what's that, another three? Another three matches or four? Three matches. Okay, so another. So basically, forty strength. No, All right, forty. Four, four matches. Four so matches. Twelve. So forty. Well, it depends if you get the buy or not. That's true too. Yeah. So while well, you're over thirty matches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My problem was never could a bowler do that. Obviously, a bowler can do that, and bowlers have done that. My issue is, what do you do if a guy you go up with five guys? Yeah, a guy tears his bicep, blows yeah, his I knee out. Matt Matt Pinkel was on my team one of my first years. Yeah. And like hurt himself first day, couldn't bowl the rest of the week. Yeah. So what do you yeah. do? So what do you do if you only go up with five guys? You're done, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't go. You can't throw a sub average up there, like. No. Yeah. And as far as I know, you can't grab somebody else. It's not. No, like you have to have once that first ball is thrown. If you're, if that person isn't on your roster, there, that's it. Right. So there's no. I always say, even if you were gonna go with five, if you said we have the best five bowlers in the game today, mm -hmm. and we're gonna 
make sure that we're going to win. You stack your team. You still got to bring a six guy up just, you yeah, know. Just in case somebody gets hurt. You can be a beer wench and not never bowl, <laughs> but just in case somebody gets hurt. Yeah. You got to have that backup plan. But he even said that, you know, we were going up with five, six, and then over time kind of, I think that's kind of said the same thing. Over time, yeah, Dad, started getting seven. Dad did say that. Yeah, then eight kind of, be, seven, eight became the sweet yeah, spot. Yeah, I, I think eight, eight's usually a good number. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, you never know. It's a long week. Now, do you captain your world team? I do, yeah. Having nine, ten guys, is yeah. it hard to get people strong? hundred percent. I've had to have some, some lively conversations with people not being able to bowl as much as they want to. So why would you go in with that many? Um, I don't think you can ever have too much talent. Okay. And my team has a lot of talent on it. Um, it's just knowing how to use that talent. <laughs> uh, that, that becomes the hard part. I mean, I've only been doing this as the captain for a couple of years, so I, I'm still learning. Right. Um, and it's every year I, you know, have a good ball that comes up to me and wants to ball on the team. What do I do? Say no. Right. No, I don't want you. You're too good. Go to Well, then team. you got to make a tough decision of yeah. getting rid of somebody well, yeah, else. That's why I got rid of Freshie this year. I try to can't blame you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I heard that was a unanimous vote from the whole team. Oh, 100%. So. Yeah. yeah, we didn't want him. Lucky Strike did. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're desperate for talent from what yeah. I've heard. Well, so. they needed somebody to grab beer. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, did you add a height requirement or something like that? Is that, was I, is that why I was thrown <laughs> off the team? That, actually, that's 100%. Yeah. I just remember the year the year I went up. It was when you guys were bowling together on the team. Yep. And that was I, actually my so I was a filler team, and that's how I ended up getting my captainship. Was it, so I remember going up, and it was like a Thursday or something, mm-hmm. and I went in the afternoon or whatever, and I remember seeing no, Jeremy. It, no, it was a Friday. Was it a Friday? Yeah, because I think that that was um, damn. We were bowling Maria's, I think. Yeah. And well, I, we were in like the stack division. Well, oh, I remember you had a, yeah. I remember you had a beer in your hand, and I said, "Oh, you're not bowling." No, I got benched this game. I went, "Do you guys have a chance?" And Jeremy, "Oh God, no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first, I mean, we gave it one hell of a fight, but it was yeah. just... We, you know, we, we, were, were, we were in a lot of matches. Yeah, we just, we didn't have... Uh, I don't want to say like the experience, but like we just didn't have that oomph to, you know, we'd be down a handful of pins and then, yeah. you know, well, just, would come back and blow us away. So, but back to, back to bowling on a team. Now, I know Jeremy's talked about it before with guys like um, Chief and guys, it was a cookie, guys who more sit back. Now, obviously you're still a young guy. You still want to bowl a lot of strings. Um, do you think it's hard to be bowling on the team, competitive, and then also dictating who bowls where, what order? Because you're kind of playing oh, yeah. both roles. You're being, you're, you're a player coach at that point. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely a little tough. And like my, all my guys will attest to. I usually put it to like team vote. Like I just don't dictate. Like I, yeah. I listen to what everybody has to say. Uh, you know, everybody has input. Everybody has their own opinion on what should happen. Um, but I also see what's happening with my own eyes. So right. when I see somebody who's hitting the quarter pin every box, and you know they're that you're off, right? Like you're gonna get pulled. But if I have somebody I know, like oh, they're plucking the head pin and just not yeah. getting good breaks. Now, um, who's on your team this year? I'm gonna put you on the spot because <laughs> everybody always forgets somebody, and then they get mad afterwards. Right. So who do you currently have? Um, currently, at this exact second, uh, Evan Reba, Billy Bloom. Steve Latch, Josh Daly, Mike McGinty, myself. You guys picked up Matero too, didn't you? Tim, thank you, Timmy Matero. Never forget Timmy. <laughs> All uh, right, so wait a minute. So, so you, so you cut Freshie, but you're gonna keep Matero. <laughs> well, Timmy was already on the team. Okay, that's he, fine. he passed the height requirement uh, and the age requirement. Right. He was climbing on those milk crates at the time of the Al, Al Kessick. Oh yeah. I think I got everybody, because TJ DePietro was on the team, but he's moving, so he's not going to be on it anymore. We lost Freshie. 
like moving teams or just moving? No, he he's, he have a he has a wife and a kid now. Uh, well, they're not. I don't think they're officially married yet, but yeah, right. he has a, he has a kid now. Um, they're talking about moving to Florida or somewhere down. That south. seems to be the thing. We gotta yeah. get a cabin bowling alley out of Florida. No kidding. Was it, that'll be the that'll be the really <laughs> south division of the was ACST it, next year. Was it Boudreaux or somebody was just telling us that Strangio's going to Florida? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm now the captain on Fridays, um, <laughs> and we have a six man rotation for our team. Ganj is gonna be there for like the first quarter of the season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now he's going down to South Carolina. Wow. So on that team, um, unless I'm missing somebody, Matero's probably the veteran, the most veteran oh, yeah. on that yeah, team. Yeah, and that was one of our break reasons we wanted him. He, and came, that's he came to me, asked me if you know I had a spot for him, and instantly, like at that point, I had 11 guys, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care, I'll figure yeah, it out. Because <laughs> I remember when when you guys both on the same team, I want to say Michael Kane was probably your most veteran bowler. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, veteran is an old yes. Well, <laughs> the point. Do you have that person that's gonna? So do you think? Are you going to lean on Matero a little bit more than maybe oh, your yeah. other bowlers? Yeah, as far yeah as? I've always leaned on him. Like, yeah, because yeah, I mean, a little shorter. So I mean, he's yeah. had. I mean, he's had quite, well, quite and, great, and, some great yeah, runs. You know, world world's, right? Exactly. Because yeah. I think back to again what Dan had said on the podcast about he doesn't care about people's averages. Yeah. Um, he so said, he said he can watch you bowl for ten minutes, yeah. never look at the score, and he can tell you if somebody's a good bowler or not. And I think that's just from watching a lot of bowling. He's yeah. been around for a while. Yeah. And again, not to say that you have been around for a while but you have a relatively young team yeah you know do you need well, that? And that and that's the thing is keeping the younger guys in check because they're the ones that want to bowl up oh, call for thank you i knew i knew i knew i missed somebody um so those are those are the guys you got to keep in check because yeah. like, they want to bowl every straight you have a bunch of guys under 30 on that team uh, yeah they're so, almost all under 30 with the exception of me matero latch yeah. how, how sick maybe um he's got to be over 30 yeah he's got to be over 30 yeah um, but yeah, so it's, you know, they want to bowl every string and they haven't got to that point yet where they don't realize they don't need to bowl every string to win. Right. Um, and it's just making those right decisions. And and it's tough too, because I think especially if you're making the decision like to, to be, you know, to be a captain and you're deciding what the roster is and everything else like that, like you're not up there because you're a bum. You're up there because, I don't mean you specifically anybody, you're up there because you're a good bowler. Yeah. And I remember even, again, going back to Mixed Worlds, watching the team be close. I think they were down by 10 pins with six boxes to go. God, Daryl's team against uh, Matt Nichols' team. And Matt Nichols fires off a double strike, I want to say, at Nardone. And Daryl got upset. I know he hasn't been bowling as well as he used to, but he, he had got hurt. And he said, I can't even help them. And that's got to be frustrating, too, if you're in a dogfight type of situation and you want to put yourself in because you want to be the person to help your team out. Yeah, Is it hard to step back and go, maybe I'm not the best bowler for this position at this time, and I'll put in X, you know, I'll put in daily yes. over my and Perfect example of that is last year at you know the Candle Pit for Cancer at Men's World. Yep. Um, we're bowling on Saturday. I didn't bowl at all. I, I put in a lineup that I thought would be good enough to win, and we put it in, and I wrote out that lineup. There was probably a couple instances where I was like, all right, maybe somebody's a little off. Maybe I should pull them. But I'm like, no, the, these guys have been bowling great all week. You know, they've been bowling great today with the yeah. exception of, you know, a couple of boxes. Like, I'll just ride it out. And I sat back. And it sucked because, yeah, there were a couple of people that were like, why aren't you bowling? Why aren't you in there? And I'm like, yeah. no, like, it's, it's my team. I'll let them bowl. Like, because even myself, and I wasn't bowling at Mixed Worlds, but even myself, when I was watching the team, and you watch them get demoralized, and there was no yelling, there was no high-fiving yeah. because the team just was completely demoralized. And I started getting antsy. Yeah. I'm like, I want a bowl. Like, I wanted to help out. I know I'm not that guy that's going to put them over the top, but it's like, I can't imagine what it would be like to sit back watching the team lose, knowing that I, you're the captain. You can say, I'm in. Yeah. And so that's that was my curiosity with that. So 
basically how you took over that role. Now, did you help out with Mixed Worlds at all in the past? Um, not too much. I mean, I've just always kind of been around, but not really like involved. Yeah. And um, so, did you just decide to take it upon yourself to run it? Yeah, just like I said, because with what happened with Men's Worlds the year before, I didn't want there to not be a tournament, mm -hmm. um, and I just talked about it with a few people, like Freshie and um, Cheech, and they were like, yeah, screw it. So you got the, the Mixed Worlds the same way I got the ACST, it sounds yeah, pretty much, <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> well, I want it to exist, it's all yours, great. Thank you. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> so why did you kick Jeremy off of your Mixed Worlds team? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think, I, I, I don't I think don't I was- I don't kicked off. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I, I, there wasn't a whole lot of communication on yeah, either side. On either of our sides. And I was like, oh yeah, Jeremy was on the team. <laughs> right, because I mean... You had a lot of issues I had a lot of, personally going on. It's not funny, ironic, yeah. but like, that yeah. happened both times that went up to Canada. The first time it was with my grandfather, the second time it was with my wife, so I wasn't yeah. able to, it was, it was just, it was just the way Canada was just yeah. not for me, apparently. <laughs> yeah, there's um, some, some forces outside keeping you away from Canada. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> And, um, and not for the, the reasons that most people aren't allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you you guys decided to do your own thing, and then I was like, okay, I'll bowl with Lamone, and yeah. that was that. <laughs> that was all. Now, are you still on that team? I asked the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bowl with Team Academy. Well, I, I will bowl with Team Academy. I technically yeah, haven't you bowl with it's only so long people will carry your name on a team without you actually bowling. <laughs> well, Jeremy's on the team. He is? Well, last, well, last year was weird because I, I feel like last year, I mean, it was a bare bones team yeah. Team Academy because yeah, yeah. I don't think Fuller didn't bowl. Uh, I don't think Stranger. You for like a couple of days, didn't you? Uh, right. Uh, yeah, and then. Gregory didn't bowl, I don't yep. think. No, uh, Gregory didn't bowl. Uh, Ganj didn't bowl. It was, yeah. it was, yeah. like, it was a together. weird world, and I remember, and I think they did a great job running it, but I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, wasn't there a huge COVID? Right before cases within the bowling community, right before there, worlds, there, there yeah. was, yeah. and I think that might have pulled some people away that yeah. were thinking about it. That said, you know what? Maybe I saw a couple people that posted like they're done bowling till the new year or whatever yeah. else. So. Well, a lot of a lot of the issues too are people's workplaces. Yes, you know, yeah, they if you left, that's right, right, because that even happened here where there was talks. You know, if you left, if you went to New Hampshire, you had a quarantine for seven days or something like right. that. And, yeah. and uh, I was, I was work, living in New Hampshire, working in Mass. So. Well, you did get the exemption yeah. for work because I did it. My yeah. my boss at my other job lives in Rhode Island, and that was one of the exemptions that they yeah. had. Because I joked that he couldn't come to work. I know. I made this. <laughs> so they didn't like that. No, <laughs> trying to get away with it. So <laughs> it, it, it's always funny that uh, the rules can change when it, money's involved, but whatever. So. I know we had a couple of instances where there'd be a tournament up at Lakeside, let's say, mm -hmm. and bowlers would go bowl up at Lakeside, and then they would come back and want to bowl in the Wednesday Night League, and we had some people saying, no, you're not allowed to bowl in the league. You haven't been quarantined for seven days. So, <laughs> What a mess last year was. Yeah. It was. and yeah, I, It was. I, there was a lot of confusion. I think a lot of fear. I don't know. I don't think any of it was malicious from people. No, I, think I don't a lot think of so just, either. You had no idea what this thing yeah. was. I mean, I remember... I remember seeing a story in the news um, about COVID where there was some, I think it was some woman, she was like in her 30s or something, and she just died in her kitchen. And someone's like, must be COVID. Well, in hindsight, that doesn't sound anything like COVID. Yeah. You don't just, you don't just conk out like that. But it was just, it was, it was kind of a bizarre thing where nobody really
really knew what it was. It was this abstract thing we had never heard of before. If you called it the flu, people yelled at you. Like, so I think it made a lot of sense why people didn't want to do it, or they were afraid that maybe their job was going to be in question if they went up. Yeah. You know, there was a picture yeah, of them. You don't want to go bowling, then you're not allowed to work for two weeks. Exactly. And, and they don't pay you for it. Exactly. Because right. we all, you know, still got to make a living too. Yeah. So, now, are you involved in running the pro ser- uh, pro series as well with Freshy? Pro series, yes. So how does how did you get involved in that? Um, kind of the same way I got involved with Mixed Worlds. <laughs> uh, a couple years ago, uh, Barber, who was running it with uh, Surrett and uh, a couple other people. Godwin um, was running it at one point, right? I think so. Well, yeah, I know Godwin think, was helping out, but it was... Yeah, I think it was more just kind of like what it is now. It's like, you know, we just have a handful of people that yeah. everybody has their own like role and responsibility. Um, so a couple years ago, Barber uh, just didn't want to continue running it. Right. He, uh, he did it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he it, was one of the ones it, that started it. It, it, it is a, lo- a lot of work. <laughs> um, so he had asked Freshy and I at the point if we wanted to take it over, and we agreed that we would. And how did you guys get approached with that? Were you just bowling in that tournament um, a lot? Were you close with them? A, a little bit of both. I mean, we were bowling in it. We were close. All, all of us are pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk all the time. We, we're in a bunch of fantasy football leagues. <laughs> we're always talking, um, yeah. whether it be good or bad. <laughs> did you still lean on that old group of Oh, Bar- Barbara still helps out yeah. behind the scenes, um, just like with a lot of the computer work and whatnot, because um, that's one thing Freshie and I definitely aren't great at is the computer stuff, um, the well, stats and whatnot. It's tough, too, because, you know, you have a house like here that's, you know, computerized, and we can basically pull up everything, you know, print out all the sheets yep. pretty easily. You have some houses that are paper and pencil. Yep. Like, it becomes difficult. Like, I think spare time is paper and pencil, right? Or they... Uh, yes. So, now you have... So, it's not just like running a league. You have to keep changing... Oh, for every yeah and then we have to you know like as the day goes on like it's all the money like making sure all the money's right um keeping track of scores yeah right like we because we have to write everything down as well as keep take everybody's scores and look over everything and bowling too and then on top of that we have to bowl yeah <laughs> um, so i never forget like the first event we ran together um we both thought it'd be great to bowl the second shift yeah we both no longer bowl the second shift i noticed you guys are always <laughs> we, we always bowl the first shift because then it's easier to to like you know i i take care of all the money and get everything straightened out throughout the second shift while he takes care of all the scoring that makes um, sense and and then we have Norcross and Cheech, um, who, Cheech again, everything, <laughs> um, who just kind of help out with with the keeping the scores yeah. in the computer, uh, collecting you know the envelopes, um, just collecting scores, doing yeah, do 50s. You, do, you do, do you do the money day? Do you do the money day up? Everything's day up. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is why we prefer cash. Like we'd love to get yeah. in the whole you know cash app Venmo thing, but it's so oh it's tough because so I do that. But yeah, you with need the, the cash here. day up because I need I need everything to be able to pay out. So I'll I'll come in. In case anybody wants to rob me, I'll come in with extra cash yeah, because people, because we do buybacks in our tournament, yeah, yeah. And people will be like, "Can I just Venmo you the buyback?" And unless we have the money like interchangeable with the drawer, they'll pay with credit card. Yeah, it becomes a whole thing. And not every, I know some houses don't want you to pay on credit card, which makes sense because they get yeah, charged a fee. Yeah. So, and they're paying the fee on the full amount, not just the lane fees. Yep. So it gets a little... It's funny, because usually our, our cash drawers are empty by the time the tournament's yeah, over. Yeah, because so many people come in with credit cards or they buy back with credit cards. Yeah. We end up short... We not short cash, because it washes. Yeah. But yeah. we have, a lot of times we have to hope that the open bowling business after Out on the Bear... Makes up for it. Pays in cash, just yeah. so we yeah. have enough for our deposit. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I'll have a couple of people ask, and it's like, you know, if, if I can do it, I will, but for yeah. the most part, it's, we need the cash of the day of just it's to completely make it makes sense. Uh, that, so one of the reasons I like to do it all ahead of time and that I know I'm coming in with a lot of cash, but also 
working here, I can just throw it in the safe. You're both, you're doing this in different houses. Yeah, different so houses while bowling, while yeah. running everything. Because that's the other thing too. Like when we run the tournament here, like we can be behind the desk. We have access to the office. We have access to yeah, everything. We, we like, don't. You don't have right. that. No. You're kind of. We you're, come in and we're like, all right, where do we set up? Exactly. You're a guest <laughs> in somebody else's exactly. house basically every time you go. Now, as far as tournaments, I'm not going to put you on the spot like I did for your roster and every tournament and every date that you have it. <laughs> but for example, you have a tournament here. We're a 22 lane house. Mm -hmm. You have an event at spare time. It's a 12 lane house. I don't know if you have one at Academy, but they have what, 40 lanes? I know they had 48, but I think they cut some of them out for. Uh, yeah. 40. Yeah, they took out the right side, right? Yeah, so they, they took out the right side because they're putting in a kitchen, full bar. Like they're doing a lot of work, though. When you're setting up these events, you have to think about one, how do you decide where the. So I guess it's a two part question. Yeah. One, how do you decide what houses to go to? Um, so we look at, like, we, we try to. We want. We want to help the businesses. Right. That's like the, the main thing we're looking at. Um, so we look at houses that we either haven't been to or, you know, businesses that definitely need help, especially now more than ever. Yeah. Um, so we just, we try to spread it out as much as we can. We I obviously try to do it at sanctioned houses if we can. Yeah. Um, like that's the, the biggest thing we look at. Because, um, you know, if somebody throws a record, we yeah. have a count. Um, and then, yeah, then we just... Determine now, between us what would work and as far as shifts and dates and whatnot. So I was going to ask, so spare time, for example, 12 lane house. Yep. Do you have to pick a format that might be more conducive? Oh, yeah, 100%. That's why, like, uh, Central is usually where we do our 10 string every year. Yep. Um, the idea behind it was to do five up and five down. Um, I think it was last year or the year before we weren't able to do that just because of uh, there was a situation that arose and we just decided to do it all, all upstairs. But, um, but yeah, we're always... we're. It's always the format of what we're doing, and yeah. then that's where we determine those two. Makes sense. Because I know you, you'll add shifts if you get enough bowlers. Yeah. yeah. Now, we had talked about it before, where before COVID, bowling kind of seemed like it was on an uptick. Like, our tournaments here were getting more. Yeah. Doing the Candlepins had, what, 80? No, you had over 100. The last one, we had over 100 paid entries. Paid entries, yeah. You know, I run the bear every handicap for a while. We yeah, had filled nice up. Um, scratch, not so much. The Pro Series looked like that list was getting bigger and it, bigger. It was. Um, and I feel like, I just based off of what I've seen so far, it looks like it's getting to that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I felt like... You know, we had taken it over, and we we grew the memberships year over year, uh, not by much, but they did grow, um, because like that's really what we look at is growing the memberships year over year. Yeah. Um, because that's you know that pretty much tells you your caliber of bowler. If they want to be a member, there it's basically entering you for that end of the year playoff tournament. Right. Um, so the more people that are members, the more people that means they're probably going to show up every tournament. Yeah. Um, or you have your people like Chris Bovia that show up for a couple and, you know, they're one of the top seeds in the playoffs. Right. You get enough <laughs> points. Well, I remember uh, when I, it was the Lakeside Doubles, I went up and you asked me, like, are you getting in, are you doing a membership? I'm like, ah. and I'm like, I don't know how many events I'm going to be able to make this yeah. year. He goes, and you said, like, not for nothing, but somebody only bowled half the events and they would have made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like, huh. Okay. Well, you yeah. almost. And then, and then I think you made it, right? Yeah, I bowled. Yeah. I bowled. I think four out of the six events, and I just missed a buy. Yeah, because I think that was one of the big things of whether or not you were going to go to the last one. Yeah, it's like you don't have to bowl every single event to make playoffs. You get points, and if you you know you win one or you know you just place in a couple of them. Yeah, that, that was. You know. I had a good year that year because I yep. I won one and then I I finished third because we had the first like three way tie three way final. Yeah, yeah, that's at, right. Uh, uh, Palace. At the Palace. Yeah. Um, where Baker got me again. <laughs> One day I'll beat him. So One day. I'll ask you the question. So we, I think I stopped asking this question to people. But, you know, in the past, you know, there's certain bowlers that you have their number. Some people don't like to say who that is. Do you have any bowler? <laughs> I, I have Cheech's number. Do you have any bowler that has your number? Like you just... <laughs> 
Not really. I would probably say actually Freshie. Freshie? Uh, yeah, up until um, the last Chicha match. Um, and like we we bowled so many times against each other, yeah. like you know money matches or um, you know just for the fun of it or like league bowling, whatever, whatever yeah. it is, it doesn't matter. I'd bowl against them; they'd always beat me. And then the last Chicha match, I finally came back to beat them. Because <laughs> I know, because yeah, you guys seem like you bowl a lot of stuff together, we do, yeah. pretty close. Actually, so like the la- so we actually used to hate each other. <laughs> that's really story. Yeah, that's true. That's will say the same thing. We used to not be friends over just something that happened. Like we bowled at a lucky strike. Well, he subbed in a lucky strike league. I said something. Though he took the wrong way or whatever, and we just never liked each other after you that. You said something that somebody took the wrong way. Yeah, I, I know it doesn't happen it. often. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but whatever. Then we ended up becoming really good friends, obviously. Yeah. And um, the last night, Lucky Strike. One of the last nights, Lucky Strike was open. Um, we were bowling just for money against each other, and he still has the score sheet from that, which he smoked me on. <laughs> and then we went to Foxwoods the next day, which he spent all my money on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like ever ever since our miscommunication, yeah, um, we've we've been really good friends. So going back to money matches, you mm-hmm. had one of the bigger money matches we've had in a long time. Yeah, yeah, um, that was great. Do we want to talk about that at all? <laughs> How did that even come to be? Because um, so I know everybody asks this question. Um, for every Friday night, we had that the Lita League that kind of took over the pro series um, type of thing. So every Friday night, Freshie was on one team, I was on another, Baker and Slinky obviously bowled together. Um, We, there was one night where we went out and golfed before, and we, you know, we golfed for money. Um, They smoked us. Um, Then we got to bowling and they were like, oh, let's do double or nothing for bowling. So we're like, all right, whatever. And we beat them, so we broke even. And then it was just every Friday night, we'd just bowl for money. Like, you know, yeah. not, not a lot. 20 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks um, is where we usually max it out. Actually, the last week was for 51, just so one of us could be like, oh, we won the most. <laughs> Fre- Freshie and I won. Until. And, then, and then the money match happened. <laughs> so did, um, did, but that's how it, how it came. So since all your money matches essentially were at Lita, yeah. how did it get moved to Exeter? Um, it, so we were at the Sunday Pro League and just talking about it. And uh, Rob Fakara, who's also amazing, yeah. um, just heard us talking about it. He's like, oh, why don't you guys do it here? And he's like, you know what? I'll even kick in an extra 500 bucks. Yeah. We're like, okay. <laughs> right. And then that it became, you know, when we were there, like talking about it, and Bob Lee, who's also equally amazing and really doing a lot to, right. to help the game, um, you know, we were all talking, and that's when Rob also made the decision that he's going to start doing it as a quarterly thing. Um, so he's going to throw up 500 bucks once a quarter to whoever, you know, wins this next money match. Um, Freshie and I are going to try to get the rematch. Um, that he'll throw in 500 once a quarter. So how do they decide who's going to be the opponents for that match? Because I know... Whoever says it first. Okay. Literally, once once that winner of that match happened, um, I think it was Fuller and Winchell. Like, Fuller commented immediately. I get that, but and I know it's a lot of money, but... You want to make sure that's two two bowlers that have a shot. Well, yeah, and I mean, I I doubt you'd be pulling up your own five hundred dollars each if you know. People do crazy things. Oh, I know. <laughs> the, the, wait, the bowlers gamble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. and, that, and that's my thing too. Is you want it to be an entertaining match. Like yeah. you guys, it was a match that could have gone either way. This is gonna. Oh be yeah, great. we we got blown away that first string, and then we won the next four. Yeah. So it's like that that first string is what losses that match. But like this is gonna be another epic match. Like those are four really great, great bowlers. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that's the thing is how do you get that next you know I don't know if you want to do like a like a playoff format for who gets the rights to bowl against them or something because I think that it's, could be something that could build we, up to we've if, talked about stuff like that like, yeah. and, and Baker and I have had lengthy conversations about that as well and we both feel like it should just be you know if you're going to put up your 500 bucks like you know you're a good bowler yeah and that's just first come first serve whoever takes the challenge and the winner has to accept so you're going to try to get back in that we definitely want to get back in that and it would, would be with Fresh you wouldn't look for anybody else oh, yeah, 100%. now would you Jeremy ever throw down 500 for a shot at uh, whoever wins this one if you do, you got to be quick with the fingers to get... Uh, yeah, apparently. I mean, if I get the right partner, yeah, I would. It's game of the ball. Anybody can meet anybody. Yeah, well, five... I mean, we've talked about this before, and going back to running the Pro Series. Now, back in the WCBC days, we talked about this a lot, the, everything was 10 strings. Yes. Um, you, well, not... But before you guys took it over, it switched, so there was basically a different format. You yep. still have your 10 stringer. Have you ever looked at new, different formats that you could possibly put in there, or yeah, we, you, We've talked about it, and... Um, you and stick we're, with 4-6. Yeah, we, we're, we've been kind of on the uptick. Like, So yep. the first thing, one of the first things we did when we took over the Pro Series was lower the entry fee. Yeah. Because it used to be just a straight 100 bucks, and like, yeah, you'd have your the high single, the high series, all your pools were involved. Um, and then we were like, but we felt as though that kind of turned some people away because yeah. not everybody want to come in and pay $100. Right, um, right, because not everybody gets to the pools. Exactly, yeah. So we lowered it to 65 and then one of one of the other factors in finding houses is the price they give us because yep. um, that also determines the prize money. Um, so... Lowering it to 65 didn't hurt us as far as money because we've still had some really good payouts. You know, right. Like our singles events sometimes have given out a thousand dollars. So right. like we, we've done well with lowering the prize money and our entry fees are. I mean our um, our entries are on the uptick. Our memberships are on the uptick. So we kind of don't want to fix it if it's not broken. No, I completely get it. I just didn't know because that was something that you know you had talked about that it was all ten stringers in the past. Yeah. Yep. And. You know, and to go back to the five stringer, like anybody can beat anybody in one string. Yeah. Like we can all get on the lane, and I might beat the two of you for one string. Yeah. But if it's a three string, if it's a five string, yeah, and it's a ten string. The better bowl will consistently. Right, and that's where it gets tricky, is it, and especially with doubles too, because you got to think. You got to rely on your partner. Like right. Hundred percent fresh is the better bowler than I am. That day wasn't his day. Right. So. And that's the thing, too, is you, know, you, you look back to Out on the Bear Doubles where you had said it where it's like you and Corey had to pick each other up. Yeah. Where on a singles match, if one person has a bad day, the other bowler can pick them up. Where in a doubles, it's even harder because if you're dealing with, and we'll just use Baker and McKinley as an example, if you catch McKinley on a bad day, you got to also catch Baker on a bad day, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're, I've watched them bowl for so long, and you know Baker could go lights out and it's like it could be terrible and they'll yeah. still you know throw 1400 right it's and like, that's, <laughs> that's the issue is, is now you gotta catch two people which yeah. makes it a lot harder yeah, B- Baker's one that has just been consistently amazing yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, just all his entire career yeah you know yeah I've only bowled against him one time and that was it was at um, the Sunday Pro League mm-hmm. and just he always focused every ball just yeah it, <laughs> no it balls doesn't off. matter what time of day yeah. it is for him it's he just can bury the pocket and throw those, throw a double, a triple when he needs it. And yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I agree. So, you said you grew up in Riviera. Riviera. Uh, where, where did you do like your lead, your youth bowling? Um, I grew up at uh, the Linway. The Linway. Wow. Yeah. Well, the first place I ever threw a ball was the old old Ryan's in Central Malden, and then, uh, but the first league I ever joined was Linway when I was like 
10-ish, 11-ish. Now they're they're gone now, right? Long gone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they were the sports center for a while and had just like the bar with like a few lanes and then um, shut down altogether. And I think I drove by there the other day. I want to say it was like a furniture store or something was in there. Wasn't cool. Lynn like had the most candlepin bowling alleys? Lynn had a lot of yeah. Bowling. State now they don't have any. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Lucky Strike and the Linway were like the last fighting two, and then they both closed. So you were a kids league bowler at um, at Linway till I was about seventeen. Um, then I stopped bowling for a while um, and came back when I was twenty seven, twenty eight ish. Okay. Um, yeah, just had a lot of personal stuff going on when I was younger, so. How old are you now? Uh, 36. 36, so you've been bowling now for almost a decade again. Yep. So you kind of came back to bowling when I got into bowling, it yeah. sounds like, so. Um, and like, and I was good when I was younger. I was averaging like a high teen when I was 16, 17. Did it take you some time to get back into it, or? Uh, yeah, it took me a couple of years. Um, I came back to a Lucky Strike League. Um, one of my friends, actually, who, who knew I bowled when I was younger, um, just had a, one of his guys go down on the first night of the year, just a you know regular league, and he's like, hey, I just lost this guy, you want to bowl again? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And like came in my first string and threw like 125, and I'm like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> like riding a bike. Yeah. And, and then that, you averaged 125 ever since, right? Uh, no, it went down to like 105. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it took me probably a good two, two or three years to actually get back to like... Feeling confident. Feeling ball. confident and being like a high team and like low 20 again. Did no, you bowl? Sorry, no, go ahead. I was going to say, um, at what point like did you start doing more of the pro stuff? Like who who grabbed you into that? Uh, Barber definitely got me into it. So I bowled um, a tournament with him at Lucky Strike and like it was a handicap tournament, obviously. He wouldn't bowl with me otherwise. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, you should start doing more of these. And I was like, all right, yeah, why not? Um, and you know, we'd, we'd always talked and like him and Jim actually were a big influence when I came back. Yeah. Um, just because like they could they could tell I had some type of talent um, but it was more like getting me to focus on that and get me better and Pro Bowling Pro Series 100% made me a better bowler uh, between the Pro Series oh, I got absolutely. my name out there got me bowling in high competition um, and then from there you know I got asked to be a filler team for Worlds or get asked to join the Friday Night League and it definitely helped me become better because that's one of the things I've always been interested in and I ask they usually ask the question is like who had brought you in like Jeremy just asked because I always find it interesting, like, who attaches their horse to what wagon or what wagon or horse, however that wording works. Yeah. I'm sure I butchered it and Jeremy won't <laughs> fix it on the editing because he never fixes it for me. <laughs> so as long as I sound stupid, he'll keep it in. But because I always find it interesting. I think eventually with anybody, like, you'll make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. But to get your name, to get in the door, to get that confidence, somebody almost has to, like, vouch for you in a way. Yeah, 100%. So, and I, I think that's big for the game. It's something that I try to do for a lot of bowlers, too. Not that I'm a good bowler, but I feel like I, if I go more most places people know, you know, I've been bowled at a lot of houses, so people know who I am. Yeah. So I'll try to bring some house bowlers into some tournaments as well, just to get their name out there, and eventually they'll do their own thing. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> That's all right. You'll just drop the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't drop it on the last one. So, but, um, so you started doing that, and then when did you start feeling like you could bowl in the scratch tournaments and things like that and hold your own? Um, well, the first first one I ever did actually was at Lucky Strike, and I think that's how he got me to do it. He's like, oh, it's, it's here, just yeah. bowl. And uh, I bowled it with Rich Magnarelli, and we ended up qualifying, and it was like, at that point, I'm like, oh, maybe I am, like, I can beat anybody yeah. or whatever, and then, you know, we got knocked out the first round. <laughs> and, but it was like, that kind of was like, all right, like, I'm going to start doing these, like, that's the only way I'm going to get better is by bowling right. these better bowlers, and... Just, you know, over the next couple of years after that, which is now, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, 
um, I definitely started getting a lot more confident. And I felt like I was bowling the best I ever have, and then COVID happened. Right. And like it, that, it crushed me because <laughs> I was like, I'm definitely like going up. Right. And then it, that happened, and now I'm like trying to figure it back out again. Now, we've had Boudreaux on the podcast who has, even though he's, you know, 26 going on 50, has the mindset of the no fist bumps, that older generation of Channel 5 days. Yeah. We also had Cheech on the podcast who thinks everybody deserves a high five. Yeah. Where do you fall in line with your competition and do you not root for your competition, but are you supportive of your competition versus out there, no uh, friends on the line? A little, little bit of both. Depends on, on who I'm going against for the most part, like if I'm friends with them or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but no, I definitely, like if somebody makes a nice shot, like I don't care if I'm bowling against you, like hey, nice shot. Um, but Godwin can attest that I uh, always have the wrong time to high five people. <laughs> um, me and him were bowling in a Friday night match against each other and I ended up throwing my high, my high series, it was a four, it was a 464. And I, it was against him, and you know, after like I'm, I'm on fire, like I'm right. making so many shots, and he isn't. But you know, I'm coming off the land, I'm like, oh hey, like going to give him a high five, and he was like, well, you stop giving me a high five. <laughs> <laughs> and so like that's now the running, right now. that's yeah. now the running joke between us. Um, years later. <laughs> well, you're also like excited. You're bowling really yeah. well, and yeah. you, yeah. you know, it's. So it's like it's a little bit of both for me though. Like right. I, I definitely root for some people, and then you know some people. Yeah, I feel there's there's a time and a there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I felt like even bowling the Sunday Pro League, which is a competitive league, mm-hmm. that you know if I was bowling well, like there was more support even from people. If even if I wasn't bowling against that team, there might have been somebody two lanes down. Oh yeah. It seems like everybody was kind of watching everybody and yeah, it, took it, notice it's, of that. It's a, it's a family. So yeah. like you know we there's some people that like each other, some people that hate each other. Right. But you know if I see a three lanes down make a shot, like I'm gonna say hey nice shot or if I see you ripping off three or four in a row like yeah. hey good job like, and that's one of the things I like about the game too is when you see somebody I mean Amy Doobie talked about it when she threw her high triple the world record high triple everybody slowly kind of gravitating towards watching her bowl the match she said I looked left and there was nobody there and then I realized they're all behind me yeah, like you, you can definitely hear and feel like when something's going on or when you're doing something or when somebody else is doing something because you like you'll slowly see everybody gravitating yeah. over like when somebody's going for like a four bagger or something yeah. like you can see or oh, yeah, and I I know usually it's like it'll start with like somebody will nudge you and kind of do yeah. one of the head bobs. I know this we don't have video, but they'll do the head bob like do you see what's going on lane right. twelve, and then everybody starts to kind of shift towards that yeah. lane. Yeah, if something's good going on is going on, or even if something's bad going on, yeah, everybody will be like, oh hey, look look over at that. Yeah, and that's the worst part too is if it's going bad, you want to watch, but <laughs> maybe not gravitate as much. Watch from a distance. Yeah. So, but that's um. And the, I and I said it on one of the other podcasts as well. But I, I'm a fan of of rooting for the other team to an extent. Like my whole thought is I can't play defense. Yeah. So no, there's you, no defense at all. So if we're bowling a five string against each other and you rip off six fifty against me, like you didn't throw six fifty in spite of anything I did. Mm-hmm. You just threw a six fifty. I can't stop you. Yeah. I can only try to beat it. So it's not. And the example I gave, it's not like you juked me out of my shoes and dunked in my face. I'm not going to get up and give you a high five after that because yeah. I'm going to be annoyed that I fell down trying to play defense. <laughs> But there's no defense here. No. So it's just really you and the pins. Yeah, and if somebody makes a nice shot, there's no harm in saying, hey, nice shot. Right. And that, and so I'm more of the side of the high five aspect of it. Yeah. And to what you said, there's certain people that I don't like as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm not as quick to give them the high five or whatever. So yeah. I mean, you can just tell me. <laughs> I gave you a high five when you missed that shot with the 10 and the piece of wood. I still don't know how you missed that shot. I don't know how a ball fit in that space. So he had the 10 pin with a piece of wood in the right gutter. Okay. And the piece of wood in the gutter was slightly out on the lane. And he squeezed the ball between the 10 pin and the and the wood. A shot. Yeah. <laughs> I, to be fair, 
I think he would have been more mad if it matters. His team had already cinched up first place. So yeah, we were bowling to keep third place away from us. So it was position night. So he wasn't as mad as I think he would be. But it was, if Very you made true. that shot, you probably would have won that game. Yeah. Because we were only up six, and that and I didn't mark, and that mark would have probably won the game for him. Yeah, I mean, I still would have needed a decent film. Yeah, as Mike Nardone said, you keep on like that, you're only going to take home first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, at that point, if you already had first place locked up. Yeah, right, but I mean, I'm still... So, like, two of my guys weren't there. Yeah. One was his kid's It's a three-person team. Right, so... So you're bowling by yourself. I'm yeah. bowling by myself, so part of me is just like, right, that's all right, I'll take them down by myself, that's fine. <laughs> whoa, 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 you didn't say that. No, I didn't. You just did that. <laughs> we went 12-2 and two again. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so no, I was legitimately still trying to win. Regular season, we went six and twenty-six against this team. <laughs> <laughs> we take position night out of it, so yeah, they yeah. had our number repeatedly. So because we talked about that too of, of bowling. Now, do you bowl in any non-competitive leagues? Um, no, because at Woburn has a lot of good bowlers. But yeah, it's like, not a. It's it's got a nice range of bowlers. It's yeah. not the most competitive like, league. It, it's still. I mean, the money's good. So like, it's yeah. Usually, I judge competitive leagues off the money. Yeah. So like, I bowl the Thursday night summer league that we're in now is I would call it competitive because of how much money's involved. I do Tuesday night at academies, which is a lot of money involved, um, and there's a lot of great bowlers in that league. Um, I sub on a Thursday night league in Sunnyside. Like we do yeah. like a seven man rotation. Um, and, I mean, there's some good bowlers in it, so that would probably be my like, yeah. least competitive league. Because one of the things I was t- talking about with, with Jeremy and uh, Jonathan Boudreaux when he was in here is how do you turn it off going from either a pro series or a Worlds to bowling in maybe the not-so-competitive league? Like, I, like you weren't out to kill us on a Wednesday. I remember and the story I told, so if these are back-to-back, I'm sorry for everybody listening, but the story I told was in the finals of the Fall League, Jeremy's team was in first, and I think Bob, you were bowling against Bob Lee's team, who was in second place. Yes. And you were bowling for first place in, in the bracket and after the match Bob was all hyped up I mean it was really his first money league he was in they came in second and he said oh man I was so nervous and you made that because Rob ripped off a bunch of marks at the end to make it close it should have never been close yeah he made me work for it yeah so Rob Linehan went off in the last half I believe to make make Jeremy have to work and get a couple marks at the end and he said just the fact that you were able to keep your composure were you nervous in the lane and Jeremy looked at him and said it's a glorified beer league (laughs) (laughs) but meanwhile That's that's such like a jerk thing to I had to. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So, but but going back, like I remember too. Every time I bowled in a tournament or the Sunday Pro League, and I would tell Jeremy, like I'm really nervous. He would say, "Just bowl in the pin, sixty feet away. Yeah. You know how to bowl. Don't worry about it." But then he wins the chicha, holds the score up, and I can see the paper shaking in his hand. So I said, "What happened to it's only bowling?" He he writes back, "You bowl for a thousand dollars and tell me how nervous you are." Yeah, no, there's definitely certain circumstances where like like you can feel yourself shaking, you can feel the momentum, well, you can feel. Especially, especially going into the, the last box, I needed a 10. Yeah. I needed a 10 box to win. And I think I left the full horseman, shanked it, and still made it backwards. Yeah. Which I'm sure <laughs> Jeff Walsh was not happy with. Well, you, did you watch that match at all? Uh, a little bit of it, yeah. I mean, the thing was, after 35 boxes, it was a runaway. Jeremy yeah. won. And then the 10 boxes after that, Jeff Walsh, and I think... Um, Brennan Marks made a run too, as well. Marks, yeah, Marks, Actually, Marks yeah, made, a he run. Definitely made a run. Yeah, but then Walsh really, really turned he ripped it on. O- he ripped off that second half. Yeah, threw the threw the dime in the, on the fill and just went, oh no. Yeah, that's what made it <laughs> difficult. And then Mark Ricci threw a great ball. I never saw that many splits. Before. He did, he he arguably threw the best ball of that yeah. of of the four of us. So, but that was the thing is, t- first thirty five boxes. 
you could you know shut the TV off or whatever the computer yeah. off Jeremy one. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, ten boxes later, you start going, oh wait a minute, this is a match again. Yeah. Right. But and I and I remember what caught my attention is watching Jeremy bowl. We bowl in the same house. We bowl in a lot of the same leagues. Is I don't typically see you play the wood in a situation. Oh, I lost. I I had no confidence. Like in the middle of that string, I had no confidence whatsoever. It just went away. Been there. It, it was the night that I was working that Jeremy typically bowls in, so everybody knew that Jeremy had the match because he wasn't here. Yeah. So I was watching it on the on the computer up here. People would ask me how I was going. I literally somebody came in. And I'll have to describe what I did for people listening. But somebody said, "So how's Jeremy doing?" And I just went shook my head I thought it was over and the shot that made me think it was over was I think did you have the 7 or the 10 pin uh, I want to say it was the 7 and he had a piece of wood on the other side of the lane mm-hmm. shot the wood <laughs> didn't get it and, I've ne- and I never see him do that yeah. he's always been one that if you can see the face of the pin shoot the pin yeah uh, 100% see the pin play the pin and, yeah. and yeah. I know plenty of other people Rob Linehan on my team is one of these people who if he's never seen a piece of wood he doesn't like mm-hmm. if he's bowling on lane 9 and there's a good piece of wood on lane 10 he'll play it like he does <laughs> not care. Yeah. Uh, J- Janet Pock taught me a while ago. You, you see the pin, you play the pin. Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's all. That, I was always taught that. I've always done that, but for some reason, I had no confidence in hitting anything. So yeah. I'm like, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> I mean, it was been, angled like, okay. I've been in that position. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was angled okay. I, yeah. uh, and then I missed the wood. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you have your days where you can tell, like, I'm all over the place. I'm not going to hit that seven pin in the face. There's a piece of wood angled right at it. And you didn't hit the wood bad. I mean, you hit it clean. It just didn't. I think it went behind yeah. it. Yeah. It was something like that. But but that was. That's what got me is, is to be a bowler. I mean, I was, I, I'm running out of who says what now, but somebody said this game is 90% between the years, yeah. and if you don't think you're going to make that shot, there's no you're way you're making that shot. shot. Right, yeah. right, right. And I remember bowling in a, a league at Fico's, which is no longer uh, around in Franklin, and somebody there's a bowler uh, who was. I don't think he ever bowled in like pro stuff. Um, he was just a house bowler, and he threw a fireball, like almost like a Sean Taylor type ball, but couldn't hit a single. He was great for nine drops for a nine box. Hit it, yeah. And I remember he threw like four nine drops in a row, no marks, turned to Skip uh, Easterbrooks, and he said, you know, I'm sick of these nine drops. And Skip said to him, single pin's the easiest shot in bowling. If you hit it, it goes every time. Mm-hmm. And I try to tell myself that over and over again because it's a different way of thinking. Yeah. Versus thinking, oh, my God, it's one pin. How the heck am I going to hit it? Versus... And, and that's usually the difference with the younger kids coming up, too, is yeah. they'll, they'll get a nine drop and be pissed it's not a strike. Right. When I would love I would love to look at these nine drops because yeah. it is. It's the easiest shot to make. You just got to hit it. Right. And, and it's really, at that point, up to you. It's one of the things. So Caitlin and I uh, run the kids league here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids get frustrated, especially some of the older kids when not everything is a strike or whatever yeah. else. And, and I try to do what I'm teaching them as well because, you know, why not? Yeah. And one of the things I try to tell them is, you know, the game is easy. There's two parts of the game. Know where to put the ball, put the ball in there. Like, try to simplify it. And then the other thing I've been trying to tell them, and I'm trying to do it myself, I think I'm getting better at it, is if you play the shot perfectly and it doesn't go, you can't get mad about no. what happens right. 60 feet yeah. away. If you hit it the way you want it to go and it just doesn't go, right? You can do. And I remember I bowled uh, Mason's at the, the King of the Hill they had over there that Mike Nardona ended up winning. And when I, when I bowled in that match, um, I threw, like, four spares where I had two fills four times in a row. And there was two spread eagles, not two spread eagles, two half worcesters. One I threw the 610, and then the other I hit the 1-8. And when I hit the 1-8, that was the last one I did, I looked at it and I turned around and I went, I'm not even mad, I did my job. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? I hit, that was the first time I hit the head pin clean yeah. on a fill leave and just, there's nothing you can do about it. The other ones I was mad because I missed. Yeah, right. right. So, 
Now, as far as staying with the game and bowling, like, what are some things you have on your bucket list to try to win, to try to accomplish for your own career? Well, I, well I've never won a pro series. I've come second a bunch of times, um, and I, I want to win a world. Whether it be mixed or, or men's, definitely men's, but I'd like to obviously win a world. So the funny th thing is, and I understand worlds is probably, not probably, it's the biggest tournament in bowling. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the, the granddaddy of them all. But as a person who's not bowled in either one of them and watched both of them, mixed worlds is my favorite. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I, so bowling in mixed worlds is definitely one of the best experiences, but men's worlds, there's, there's nothing like it. The reason I like mixed worlds as a, as a spectator, it's harder to stack the teams. Oh yeah, yeah. And it also, the women become so much more important to the game. The women win that tournament. I was about to say, they're, they're the difference maker. Yeah, but you can't, women 100 you can't have seven guys averaging 125. You said it yourself, the way the teams break out, you can't bowl with the same people. Yeah. Because you might have a guy with a 1.8, you know, you can't have three 120s on your team. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what I like about it is, why you still have your favorites and the teams that probably don't have as much of a shot. I think there's more curiosity over who's going to take the trophy home versus maybe going, these are the four teams that have the best shot at, at men's. Yeah, no, when you when you go to men's worlds, you know, there's the top five or six teams that yeah. everybody's like, all right, it's gonna, probably going to be one of them. Where, yeah, mixed worlds, it's like, yeah, you can look at each team and be like, oh, that team's good, that team's good, that team's good. I'll, I'll never forget going into this year, even though it wasn't a full world. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with Bob Leo because he was doing a lot of commentating on the matches that week. And we were going through the rosters, and he was like, oh, that's a good team. Oh, that's a good team. Yeah. Oh, that's a good team because almost every team is a good team right. yeah. because you can't stack them. Right, um, and that's the thing. And and the women 100% win that tournament. So it's like, you know, you get your handful of really good women. Well, but th then you have, uh, like, the Penny Lane team. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was a kind that, of a stack. It was a little bit yeah, of a stack team. That, but uh, even so, look at the women that were on that team. within the rules. So. Oh no, no! I'm not saying it wasn't like outside of the rules, but 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 looking at like looking at the names on yeah, paper, they, they had three out of the top five women on yeah, the team. Yeah, right. You 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 shouldn't. They, they had Mario. They had Mario, Sonia Rossi, and Maddie Kelly, and then was Laurie on that team? Laurie's Laurie on my team. Okay. Um, Lori and Sarah were on my team with Amy Doobie. So it's like we had some really good women yeah. too. Like yeah. Laurie's hands down one of the top two three bowlers. Oh, absolutely. Um. But they had definitely top three out of five. Yep. She's on our list of people to interview as well. Went in the Chicha Bowling and the men's Chicha. Yeah, we, we thought it would have been cute if we did it together. And then we decided we should do it separately. <laughs> we talked about that too, but I didn't want to have... Because we've had this conversation before too of certain people that we know... You know, either bowl a lot together, or like, yeah. and whether or not we should have them on the podcast together, but yeah. also don't want to come off like, hey, we don't think you can carry a podcast by yourself. Yeah, Will yeah, you yeah. come with so and so? So it was something that right. We we did win one of uh, your first ever on the Bears. You together. did. I think. Did you win the first? We won the first mix. Yes, you did. So that was um, and because that was back when it was scratch. Yeah. Then we did a second scratch one, and then I think after that we flipped to the handicap yeah. one. Um, just and it, obviously the numbers. That's one of the tricky things too. Now, that was one of the questions I had for you. I remember um, one of the d days I was trying to get you to bowl and uh, run the bear. I told you there was a handicap one. You said, yeah. sign me up. And then you turned to Freshie and he said, it's handicap. I'm not doing it. Yeah. 
you're one of those bowlers that could only bowl scratch if you wanted to, but you seem to bowl on almost everything. Yeah, I just I try to support everybody is like right. my big thing. Like if I support you, you know, you'll support me type right. of thing. And then I'm I just like to bowl. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like I'll I try to bowl anything I can if my schedule allows me to. It's one of the reasons like down to. It's one of the reasons I started bowling. Like I bowled in Woburn to sub a couple times, and one of the reasons for that is because it, people always come here. You know, we're very uh, appreciative that people come and bowl and out on the bear and everything else, and we have candle pins. Well, you never come to our house. <laughs> All right. So now, <laughs> what I tell, I told Lexi I'm going to bowl in her tournament, I think in October. They have like a random draw doubles yeah, handicap yeah. that yeah. looks really exciting as well. So I'm going to go bowl, and that's the first time I've ever been a leader. I, they, from what I've heard, a lot of work to the place right now. I've heard I'm going to get frustrated at that house. Um, from what I've hear, I'm hearing now, it's, it's getting a little better. They're yeah. putting a lot of work into it, which, yeah, is, what, which is what it needed. Brand new pins. Yeah, brand new pins. Sidewalls. over sidewalls. Yeah. So like yeah. Approaches. Um, they're getting ready for what would have been men's worlds. Now it's going to be just a, a men's worlds tournament without Canadians. Right. Now, would you ever? Uh, I know you don't run men's worlds. One of the things I was saying, because people started calling it fake worlds and everything else, yeah. some people took offense to that. Why not just call it like nationals? Um, I don't have an answer for that. Okay, <laughs> that was something because that would kind of get rid of all of it. I mean, national still is a great name. Yeah, like you're still having the best bowlers from the United States. Yeah, um, and I it's I, just it's always been called worlds. So yeah, it's like, but it's tough when you're. We didn't really know up until you know within the last couple of weeks that that. Canadians weren't coming. Yeah, it got officially postponed. Um, I mean, how, when 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 did the Blue Jays become a baseball team? Seventy six, and they still had World Series long before that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> America wins again. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So I mean, I, there's that aspect of it too. You know, yeah. World Champions, and it's just thirty teams from America. So. I don't think, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of calling it fake world or anything like that because yeah. I think it, it takes away from what people are trying no, to accomplish. No matter what, it's still a hard tournament to win. Absolutely. Like even even last, last year, it was a hard tournament to win. Uh, now, who won it last year? Uh, Baker's Maria's team. Lucky is what they oh, that's right. themselves because it was a combination of Maria's and Lucky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, and we ended up, they knocked us out Saturday morning. And it was still a hard-fought match. Like, right. Just because it was a fake world, quote-unquote, it was still a hard week. You still had the bowl. Like, you, know, you still lost matches you shouldn't have or won matches you probably shouldn't have. Like, it was, a, it was still a tough week. And I know people who typically don't get asked to bowl at Worlds who got a shot this yeah. year or last year. They that definitely they gave them some good experience. And... They didn't really like it being called fake worlds because they said, "Hey, listen, I finally got my shot, and yeah. you kind of taken it away from me." Right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the people calling it fake worlds because yeah. um, it it might not be the worlds, but yeah. it's still you got a lot of really good bowlers there, so you're still competing with some of the best. Right? You just don't have the best Canadians. Exactly. So, you want to ask your? Yeah, yeah, because we're we're right at that uh, hour. Um, Thirty minute hour. Yeah. That's, that's all right. We talked to Boudreaux for an hour and 15 minutes. It felt like 20. Um, so we always ask people the same question. Who was your favorite bowler to watch growing up? See, I, I didn't watch a lot of bowling growing up. Um, I liked watching Holbrook and probably Ulster. Like, but I just, just I not in, just wasn't into the TV shows. Yeah, it's just I, I honestly don't remember watching a lot of it. Like I, I watched some of it because like my grandmother would always be watching it. So you might um, be in the same position I was in, which is my parents watched it all the time. Yeah, but even like the com- like the Comcast shows or anything. No, 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 like, no. I didn't watch a lot of it. Like I'll, I've seen clips on YouTube now, obviously, but like yeah. I didn't. I I definitely watched it, but I don't remember watching it. If right. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like I just I have a vivid moment of watching Holbrook when I was younger. 
Yeah. Um, so, and I've never even told him that. <laughs> um, so I, I would say that I'd say, have to say over because that's the only one I can actually vividly remember watching. Right. And one of the nicest guys in the game, oh, too. Great, great guy, So yeah. when you, and Holbrook's still bowling, so maybe it's the same answer, but when you started getting into bowling, and, and I've said it before in other podcasts where it's like, it's really one of the few sports where you can idolize somebody. I know you weren't watching it growing up, but like Jeremy was the prototypical, you know, eating grilled cheese, watching bowling when he was a <laughs> yeah. little kid. And now you get to bowl against some. I mean, you talked about being on the lane with Gary Carrington, and you know, you bowled with Tommy Olsen. I'm not just talking about the two strings that they bowled here, like yeah. actually in right, the tournament. Yeah. You get to watch some bowlers that you grew up watching, and then you get to bowl against them, which is kind of a cool thing. Was there any bowlers that you may be friendly with now that when you first came up, it was like, oh, man, I can't believe I get to bowl with so-and-so? Baker. Baker. 100% Baker. Yeah. And now we're out of mixed worlds together. Perfect. <laughs> so thank you very much. We appreciate no, you coming Thank you. In. Thank you for having me. Well, it was a fun conversation with Nate. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot. I thought he also ran worlds, so I learned something today. Yeah, he and, does not do that. And also, we learned that uh, Cheech is involved, surprisingly, involved in uh, Mixed Worlds and the Pro Series. That guy doesn't get involved in enough stuff. We need to see more of Cheech. I'm pretty sure he has some sort of involvement in everything. I, are we sure Cheech doesn't have a twin? Because there's no way that one guy does all of that stuff. He's got to have, like, the cloning formula. That's got to be. I have no idea how he does everything that he I, does. I, I feel like I barely have time to do anything. Yeah, no, and I know, and even like with that, um, uh, you know, the the bowlers version of the ICBA that came up. Somebody asked me, like, would you, you know, if somebody voted for you? Not that I think I would get the votes. I actually have somebody in mind that I I would pick, and I'm not going to put that on the air just just yet. Maybe if that starts to come to fruition. I just want to do a poll. Cause I think it'd be cool to like nominate somebody and have it picked by the bowlers. But somebody asked me, and I said, I don't have time. I really don't like yeah. as much as that would be a great honor to do. Like, there's so many great people that would be great for that position as well. Yeah, there's a laundry list of, sh- but. Uh, Without getting into that, because I don't know what step they're in on that, let's get into some results. Unfortunately, we didn't get the King of the River results, so we're just going to assume it's Lane Britton. He had a 50-50 shot of winning if he showed up, so we'll, we'll say it was him most likely. I do want to mention uh, the Mason's King of the Hill. I don't know if we can call it King of the Hill, but and I'll get into that. The number four seed, John Prendable, beat Justin Scally, 115 uh, plus one, so one uh, with his handicap, 116 to 105. Then was defeated by Linda Brunette, 101 plus her nine pins to 100 by Sean Prendable. Then Linda Burnett getting a 20 pin handicap over two strings takes down Dean Sullivan 130 to 116. Oh, I'm sorry. So that got her into the finals. And then Linda Burnett takes down Jimmy Nestor 217 including her 24-pin handicap, to Jim Nestor's 183. Anthony did mention that Jim Nestor was dealing with some health issues. I'm only spreading that because it's already on Facebook. So, right, um, right, right. But uh, the jackpot was not hit, so it was 165. But I don't think we can call that King of the Hill right now. That's a Queen of the Hill. That's a Queen. So congratulations to Linda Burnett. I don't know how many Queen of the Hills they've had, if it's the first ever. But either way, uh, congratulations to Linda Burnett for being the Queen of the Hill. And you know what? If you If you listen to the podcast and you want to be called King of the Hill, We'll call you King of the Hill. You're the champion. That's right. So congratulations to Linda Burnett. That's all I know of for tournaments that we had uh, this week. What do we have, uh, or last week, I should say, what do we have coming up? Uh, Well, first and foremost, this coming Sunday, October 10th, 10 a.m. at Sunnyside, we have the Canopins for Cancer TV taping. Yep. You're going to be one of the hosts on that show, correct? Yeah, I'm going to be one of the hosts uh, with uh, Richie Myrick and Steve Reno. That's a great, great lineup. We ask anybody who listens, who's just a fan of the game, to show up. Absolutely. And just support the bowlers because you know what? The more people that are there, 
the more the bowlers get fired up. Exactly. And I know there is a tournament at spare time at the same day. So some of the bowlers that I think would be like uh, Eric Seeger is one of those guys I know would be in the stands, but he is bowling. I believe he's bowling with Joe Duda in uh, the spare time tournament that Eric Bromberg's running. I think they still have openings. So if you're looking to bowl, that would be the place to go. But if you're looking to just be around bowling and some good people uh, and me, go down to Danvers. Um, I'll be helping out with some of the back end production stuff uh, with Frank. I got to go through that with him. But that it's going to be exciting to see people in the background. Even New England Candlepins, it's cool to see people kind of drift um, into the background. You see some faces and, and people like that. But, you know, let, let's this is formatted the same way the old Channel 5 was and everything like that. So they're, I believe they're three string matches. The three string matches, yeah. It's going to start at 10 a.m. So there's going to be 15 strings of bowling. Yes. I have to think every show is going to be, what, about an hour or so? Yeah, it's about an hour. About an hour. So about an hour per show, five hours. So it's going to run probably from 10 to 3, maybe 4 o'clock, we'll say. So come on down. Even if you can't make it by 10 o'clock, I think it'd be cool to see some faces in that crowd. Absolutely. I mean, I obviously, like, I never had the pleasure of bowling on Channel 5. Yep. I did bowl on Channel 50. Yeah. And it was a good amount of people. Right. There's nothing like it. And I there think really it, isn't. I think it's going to be cool, too, that he's going to do this in multiple houses. Like, New England Candlepins has only been in two houses. Fico's in here. Right. Um, and it only moved because Fico's closed. Right. So I think everyone's kind of going to get a shot to have their house premiered in different areas. But if you can make the drive up to Danvers, definitely, definitely check it out. It's a, it's a good lineup of bowlers. Uh, they're bowling for $2,000 top prize. Yeah. he's And you know what? And this was with only 18 bowlers showing yes. up to the TV final. So if you get, if you can get, we, let me stutter a few more times. We paid uh, the scratch champion $2,000. We had 50 bowlers. Yeah. This is $2,000 of the top prize with 18 bowlers. Guys, if you can bang this out and get 30, 40, 50 bowlers. You're going to be going for some serious money. It's going to be money. So um, hats off to Alfie for everything he's done. That's going to be a great show. There's a lot of people involved in that. But definitely come down and hang out. And maybe we'll you know get lunch and stuff like that. So that'll yeah, be a absolutely. lot of fun. Obviously, we mentioned the spare time tournament that's going to be the same day Uh, that's going to be a five stringer doubles and then a qualifier i think they're taking like 16 teams or something they're they're taking a lot of teams for the qualifier and then what do we have after that uh well the sunday the 17th also at spare time we have the pro series uh singles knockout yep uh think 2 p.m is filled 2 p.m is filled uh noon i believe there's still room the last i saw there was still room at noon i was debating on on signing up since not that I have any business bowling in it, but since I bailed out of the one up at Bolarama, this is, yeah. I believe, do we have an event here this year? Uh, yes, but in March. Okay, because I was going to say that I, I want to bowl in them, uh, not for any other reason, just one, to support, and two, that's how you get better is bowling against the better course, bowlers. Absolutely. Um, so that, I know they have some, I'm almost positive they have some noon shifts, so reach out to Freshy. I also know Freshy's trying to get the Nico going. They have 31 bowlers on my last count, so I think they're trying to get to 32. If you're looking to do that, that's that's a fun tournament. That's actually kind of one of the tournaments that got me interested in tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um I believe it's a random draw, and then you and your partner go and bowl at uh, you know predetermined, or you guys decide a house and like a neutral yeah, house, yeah, like a neutral location. Have you bowled in Nico before? I've bowled twice. Yeah, sing- doubles once, right? Both doubles. Okay. Like the first one I bowled with Michael Gender. The second one I bowled with John Blaze. So how how is it hard to find a house, or do you guys kind of? Yeah, it really depends on who you're bowling. Yeah, like when Blaze and I ended up bowling, I think it was was it Chris Merrill. And Carrier, Mark Carrier, yeah. yeah. So you have two main guys. That's now in, the, chi- in the Chicha. I finished above Carrier. 
my strategy was he didn't show up, <laughs> which helped tremendously <laughs> because that yeah. would not have happened otherwise. But also at this time, there was still like the whole COVID, like yeah. a lot of restrictions. And with uh, Blaze's job, he couldn't really Go travel to New Hampshire. To New Hampshire. Yeah. So it was, it, it was kind of like stuck between a rock and a hard place kind of right. thing. But for the most part, it, it's not too, too bad. Then uh, so that's on the seventeenth. I know we also have um, a tournament up at Lita Lanes. I forget what it's called. It's like the Halloween Scramble yeah. or something yeah. like that. You you go up with a partner, but you blind draw for five strings, and then on the fifth string, that's your partner for the duration of the tournament. And then on the thirty first, there's the first leg of Matt Nichols Candle Pin Duck Pin the Triathlon. Ten, yeah, Triathlon. So the Northeast Triathlon, I think, is what he calls it. So that should be a lot of fun. I think he said he's got twenty bowlers. He's looking for a minimum of thirty. I told him the first three out on the Bears had 19, 22, and 17. Alfie got 18. Mm-hmm. I know the kids got I think there were a lot bingles. of variables in that one too, though, with, yeah. the, with, with the roll-off. I feel like if there wasn't, they had a golf tournament, then they had you know other things going on. I think this next time, once they see the money, I think yeah. the next one's going to be big numbers. I, I'm just telling Matt, if you're listening, don't get discouraged with 20. It's a good start. Just keep going. Right. If you make it a yearly thing, things sometimes take time to blossom. Of course. So um, I think that's all. I, uh, I know Mason, uh, not Mason's, um, the spare time will have their King of the Hill, yeah. I believe, the same day as Exeter. Right. It's the same last. as King of the River every Sunday. Yep. King of the River will be there again next Sunday. So if you're not looking to bowl on the spare time doubles, not looking to go to Sunnyside, you could always bowl on King of the River. Right. I think they're close enough that you could probably bowl King of the River and then go check out Danvers and watch yeah, they could. some of the matches. Easily. And then lastly, of course, the Chicha National Championship. So this is – is this the spring technically? I think so. Um, we have the final four that are going to bowl in the finals for the honor. I want to say they're getting – it's got to be at least – because you want a grand, right? I want a grand. This one I believe is for 2500 Yeah, I was going to say it has to be more – it's just 2,500, you're right, because they had 64 bowlers. Correct. So uh, first place is going to get 2,500, second place 1,250, third place 770, fourth place 400, and then fifth through eighth are all going to make 125. That's awesome. Um, and then I believe they're bowling, uh, you're going to bowl the winner of this for another grand. Yes. Not that you have to put up your own grand, it's right, part of the, right, the right, kitty. Right. But when you, and the only thing is the loser has to pay for the strings. So I think that's all it is. Now, is it at a predisclosed location, do you know? Uh, or you I guys, do you think it'll just work it out? Like, I think we're just going to work it out. Or I haven't been told it's at a specific place. That definitely needs to get recorded, and I, like with some commentary. I think that's something that you know. This is, I mean, that's pretty much that's a money match. I mean, you're bowling for a, a grand, so we do have the final four. Uh, and I'm going to ask you who you think is the easiest person for you to beat. We have number one. Not this is not in the order. Uh, we have Corey Packard, Joey Lister, Dave Barber, and Matt Susie. So out of that list, I mean, you you were not like I could beat that guy on every name I said. So none of them, <laughs> zero, zilch. And I said this before, not and, and and not to name names, but it was like you got to that Sweet Sixteen area, and even you started saying you're like, there's a lot of good bowlers left, and yeah. round after round after round. But once was, when yeah, once you get to the third round, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, has, it doesn't not matter. You can, and, and it's one of the reasons I signed up. You can squeak by a round. You can. Maybe squeak by two rounds. After a while, you can't keep squeaking by rounds. Yeah, at this point, I mean, Matt Susie is bowling very well. Oh yeah, Lister is just he on turned an upward a switch. He's on an upward slope. And, and Barber, I told you that at Exeter when I came yeah. back from Exeter, I said Joey Lister is le- like a legit bowler now. Like yeah. he is very good. I, I mean, Barber is Barber. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. You know, he's he's in that top tier. Uh, yeah, when top top five, top ten easily, I think. Easily. And then Corey. I mean 
you know, I was watching, you know, again, I'll run the bear. I was watching Corey Bull and, you know, I was, I was talking to uh, Carrie Ann who we've had on the podcast and I said, you know, he's not, and hopefully he doesn't do, he's not super explosive, but if you leave him close in those ninth and 10th boxes, he's, he's going to make you pay. Yeah. You can't let him hang around. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I just think he's one of those guys that you're, you're not watching out for. And then you look over your shoulder and there he is exactly. gaining on you. So yeah. uh, those are four Good bowlers. It'd be awesome to hear like who you guys think is going to win uh, that match. And of course, again, the winner of that's going to bowl against Jeremy Seahome. And you're also a very good bowler as well. Don't tell anybody I said a nice thing about you, but <laughs> but uh, and obviously congratulations to to uh, the fifth through eighth, Nate Lee's, Sean Baker, Brennan Marks, and Nick Leach. That's that's tough to get there. Yeah. So congratulations to those guys as well. That's all I have. That's all I got. Till next time. 